0: My spirit has always existed as Nehiyo, before I came Urside, I was Nehio, and since I've been born, I've been Nehio. I will always be a Nehiyo Eskweyo. And on this journey through time, laws, and settler migration, I've felt distance between myself and what it means to be a Nehiyo. Our knowledge systems have hid, and they've been damaged. Because of this, I have a deep-rooted urgency and responsibility to reclaim my ancestral language, to speak Nehewewin into the world and to watch it dance through the sky. And that's why we're doing this series, the Endangered Indigenous Languages Project.
1: Over the next four weeks, we'll be releasing a four-part series that shines a light on the Wind speakers, learners, and revitalization efforts.
0: Our guests come from all across the West, some raised in their language and some coming back to it.
1: In this series, we'll dive deep into each of our guests' relationship with the language, their culture, and the land. While we'll sharing Cree words and phrases along the way. We hope that you enjoy this project and cherish the conversations we had. Found purpose and responsibility within their words and stories—a responsibility to preserve our language for future generations.
0: Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this series. Kineskomitda now.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. Today is episode one of our four-part language revitalization series, and in this series, we explore through four different conversations what it means to revitalize the Win language we sat down with a special relation of mine, Frida Kuchikum.
0: Frida invited us into her house and she made us lunch and shared soup and we got to spend time with her and her husband and it was a really special, intimate experience. And she later on goes to recount her, her story of relearning the language but also growing up in the life that she has lived and how love and dignity has been at the center of her language revitalization journey and It's a conversation that made me cry while we were in it, and makes me cry when I reflect about it. And it's something I feel privileged to have done. And so, I hope you get as much value out of this conversation as that we did. So, sit back and enjoy. Our guest today is Frida Kuchikam um, from Seas First Nations, who was born on Star Blanket First Nations, and she's been residing here with her husband on Papakese since nineteen sixty three. Uh, so, if you want to take some time to introduce yourself in whatever
2: way you want, <coughs> okay. I'll introduce myself as uh, Frida Kutuchka from uh, uh Like she said, I've been here for six since six nineteen sixty three. Um, you know, there's so many things that I that I could say right now, but uh, I think uh, I would just rather get on with the. With <laughs> <laughs> get on with the show <laughs> get on with the show
0: super cool um so do you want to talk about how our connection with Frida kind of began into fruition?
1: Yeah. So um, I guess I mean growing up urban, I haven't really had access to my culture or anything, and I seen this um, position. It was called the trust position on Papakese for our land claim settlement, and and I thought maybe I'll apply and uh, I can like kind of learn about my culture and get to know everyone on my reserve. I haven't really met many people. And so, to my surprise, I was accepted as a trust member And Papikis, uh, on Papikasis, but also Frida is also a trust member and has had so much um, to do with the claim. And so, um, we're kind of co-workers, but we've really built a friendship. From the first meeting, too, she was introducing me, or she was telling me, come over to my house, let's visit, let's visit. And so, um, it's more of like a friendship and, and a kinship tie, and, and you know, um, coming back to my community. And so, it's really nice to kind of see how it started as like a job position, but really flowing into a friendship.
0: We're here today to to discuss the the Cree language and to discuss um, Mm -hmm. kind of your journey along with it as a a knowledge holder. And so right now, a lot of our podcast listeners are a lot of the people that are going to reach out to this podcast or maybe people that are just beginning their language journey or they don't know anything about the Cree language or they're far into their revitalization efforts. And so the purpose of this series is to really be able to put like an urgency or a responsibility into like keeping the language alive.
2: Okay. Well, I guess maybe the place to start for me would be, uh, way back as far as I can remember because my, uh, grandfather was the one that, uh, sure does, uh, shape my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, He was always uh, telling us stories, life stories, telling us how we should live and and how, you know, how uh, the values that he had, had served him well in his life. And he wanted us to be the same. He was a Cree speaker, but he spoke his broken English. To me, it was it didn't matter whether he spoke broken English or not, mm-hmm. because when he spoke his Cree words to us, they had meaning. They, um, they spoke to the heart. And so that to me, that was what the, the language meant. But on the other hand, with my mom and dad, they wouldn't talk Cree mm-hmm. to us. They didn't want us to learn how to speak Cree because of what happened to them in residential school my grandfather had never gone to school so like he he didn't have those feelings you know like mm-hmm. he just spoke to us the way he he spoke whether it was cree or english um, you know it, that was okay with him and that was something that i remember when i think of him i think of him as being uh, more open to his culture than my mom and my mom and dad were, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because my mom and dad, when they started to raise us, they had kind of the what they had been taught at residential school. That was a, a hard, hard, hard life for them, mm-hmm. and they didn't want us to go through that. So they were, you know, they said no, we're not gonna let you talk Cree mm-hmm. because of all the hurt that it caused us, especially dad. You know, when Dad was in the residential school, he got beat on the head so many times that he used to have nosebleeds when he was younger. Mm-hmm. All through school and right till the day he died, he would have nosebleeds just for no reason at all. they just start to come. And he always said that was because of the beatings on that he got on the head when he you know, would speak Cree. So I don't know whether he was ashamed to speak Cree. It was something that uh, was like almost hidden, you know, like when he would speak to my grandfather and to other people that spoke Cree. There was always that hesitancy about, you know, kind of look around and see who was around. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, you know, well, you know, why? You know, I didn't understand, you know, that it was something that had been ground into them. On the other hand, like my mom, she was um, a really closed person, very into, you know, like, she hardly spoke to anyone. Mm -hmm. And to me, like, you know, she was always sort of uh, beaten down. She was an orphan when she went to school, and they kind of, Use that against her. And uh, to this day, I kind of think my mom was abused at school. Mm -hmm. She never, ever said anything to us about it. But there were things that would, you know, come through later on. Like when she was in her late 80s, 90s, she would kind of let things uh, out. Almost saying that she was abused, but not quite. Mm -hmm. So... It kind of made me think, you know, that this is why Mom couldn't really show love mm-hmm. to us kids. She couldn't touch us, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I often wondered why that was, you know, like, just trying to try and speak Cree, she was, just like, she was scared too. So, I know she used to talk to my my grandmother. Like My grandmother used to come and stay with us on Star Blanket from the Daystar Reserve. She used to come in the wintertime, and they used to do a lot of Cree speaking. My brother-in-law, my brother, and I used to listen, and uh, Mom and Dad and my grandmother would be talking. And so, after they would finish talking, then we'd kind of go outside and we'd start saying <laughs> what they were saying, you know. <laughs> and we got uh, we got the accent mm-hmm. properly because we were still pretty young. You know, we didn't uh, like we, we didn't go to school. Maybe I'm gonna jump, uh, jump around here a bit. <laughs> but, uh, when we came uh, school age, uh, the Indian Department, we used to call it DIA. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they wanted us to go to, to school, but the school was nine miles away on the reserve, on the Okanese reserve. So, like, we, we, my brother tried it, but it didn't work. He would drive from home to school, and then the guys would take his horses, and they'd run them crazy all, you know, all day. Yeah. And then the one day, he, you know, he didn't get home. So dad had to go look for him, and his horses were played out. And so... It was a long ways, you know, Mm -hmm. for him to come home. So he just tied the horses to the wagon there and brought Mervyn home. And so that was the end of it for Dad. He says, Mm -hmm. no more. Mm -hmm. So (coughs) the officials, you know, kept on coming and saying, well, you know, you have to put your kids to school. Your son is 9 years old, Mm -hmm. and uh, so he should be in school. So Dad went to... um, just off the reserve there, there was a little school called Robert School. Mm-hmm. And so he went over and talked to the, the uh, school board, and they let us in. So they gave us the education from grade 1s to grade 8, mm-hmm. all six of us. And you know, to this day, I don't know who paid for our education, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But we got a first-rate education. After... Like my my dad always had cattle, and uh, I'm not saying that we were, you know, better off than other people, but they worked hard. They really worked hard, and then kind of ingrained that in us. Like you know, the kids, we all we all had our our chores to do, and boy, if we didn't get them done, <laughs> you know, they were never they were never physically you know uh, rough with us or anything, but. It was just that, uh, you know, we wanted to please them, and it hurt if you, you know, if you Mm -hmm. got reprimanded. Mm -hmm. I always remember one day, uh, we were playing, and Mom and Dad had gone to town, and we were playing outside, and it was getting later and later, and (laughs) the cows came home. (laughs) And we were so busy, you know, and (laughs) they went away again. Mm -hmm. So we didn't... uh, worry about it and you know we were supposed to have milk so mom and dad got home quite late i think it is near midnight or something but anyway dad came in the house and he says he said uh, did you guys milk today my brother said no he said the cows didn't come home well he said they're home now <laughs> <laughs> So we had to get up and go and milk, and this is we in the middle of the (laughs) night. (laughs) We never did that again.
1: No, you you learned your lesson? (laughs) We learned our lesson.
2: Yeah. But there's so many things, you know, about our growing up that uh, kind of uh, is sad in a way. You know, you look back and you're like, I remember how hard my mom and dad worked. And, you know, when you're. They were put down so much at school, and they tried so hard. Every once in a while, you know, dad would go off. Not the the way it is now, but he would go off and go get drunk. Mom didn't like that, and so it caused a lot of problems, you know, with, with them. But not the kind of problems like they have now. It was just in those days, you know, like they would just get mad at each other. You know, maybe, you know, not talk to each other for a couple days or so, you know, and then Mm -hmm. everything would be back to regular. When I look at the struggle, you know, it didn't have to be that way. You know, like if I always think like if we had been allowed to live our lives free and from all of this residential school thing, if that had not happened, Mm -hmm. you know, we we would have been okay. Again, I go back, like, to my grandfather. He never went to school, and yet he lived a really good life. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was so in tune with nature, the mm-hmm. world, you know, as it was. And a lot of times, like, when he would talk to us, he would tell us, you know, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat because you can go out there and get a rabbit or mm-hmm. something, you know. Mm-hmm. Mom and Dad were in. In school, it was always bad food, mm-hmm. you know. So that, like to them and to us, a rabbit was <laughs> <laughs> was valuable. Yeah, you know, and because it it reminded us that, you know, we could be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, we could pick the berries, and Mum used to can, and I guess that's why I still do. Yeah, but uh, Mum was always. Uh, You know, she always had a garden. So we always had those things. When, uh, like, just lately, when all these children were found, you know, that had such an effect on me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get over it for a long time. And I I guess I'm still not over it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not that I don't remember, you know, like somebody said someplace, you know, oh, it's all forgotten already. Mm -hmm will never be forgotten. No. I just think that, you know, it was such a shock that mm. you just can't understand why somebody could do that, how someone could do that. But this was my, you know, this was the life of my parents. This is what they had to go through. This is what they saw. You know, sometimes I just think, boy, they were wonderful people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to to go through all of that. And still, like, you know, try try to live a good life. Mm-hmm. Uh, about in uh, 1955, 56, dad turned his life around. He uh, quit drinking. Mom had never really drank, so it was a better life. Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, but they, you know, th- through their lives, they always worked so hard. And then uh, after... Oh, about nineteen sixty fifty six, 56 i guess 57 they started to go to church and that made that made things so much you know better mm-hmm. in the family i think maybe in a lot of cases they forgave the you know the school and uh, the people that had uh, mistreated them at school i think they 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 pretty well were able to to finally forgive and uh it was it was so much happier Mm-hmm. and uh we stopped talking about how hard it was eh? like mm-hmm. when we would uh when we would go to school like we we would always think that we were so hard done by <laughs> because um uh, the school was uh four and a half miles from home to the school and uh lots of times you know we had to walk home dad always made sure that that we had some way to get to school you know whether he drove us it was always horse and buggy or horse and wagon, mm-hmm. whatever. And then uh, at school, it was hard because these were, this was a white school, mm-hmm. you know. And I know my dad, you know, he just struggled to make sure that we had the clothes, the lunches, and everything that, was, that we needed, you know, to fit in. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did a pretty good job of that. You know, he always made sure that we had good lunches, because you know in those days they were you know it's supposed to be health, you know, mm-hmm. so they they'd make a chart and did you bring you know what did you bring oh, for yeah. lunch you know, <laughs> and so you know you always had to check off everything that you bought for lunch and yeah. oh you know, so we told our dad what you know what we had to do at school, so he always made sure that we had good lunches. I remember one time uh in the fall time, he went to town and he bought a double box of apples, and you know those apples left uh, made us from the fall must have been about end of October till Christmas time.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> that
2: that <laughs> big box of uh, <laughs> apples lasted us that whole time. Yeah, school school was uh, it was good, but uh, a lot of the people like in that area were, you know, they they weren't well off either you know mm-hmm. they, they were pretty poor pe- poor people too in those days you know that mm-hmm. was back in the i think we were uh, pretty well on par you know with uh with them we they didn't uh say oh they're indians or mm-hmm. whatever you know they were just i remember one day my brother Lauren he came with us to um uh, to uh, valentine party and uh he was a very dark when he was small and uh, we were standing in the, in the hall. They were, we were going to have a scavenger hunt in the school, so the teachers and, and some of the bigger kids were hiding stuff. So we were standing in there, and he says, uh, this little guy looks at him, and he says, Boy, are you ever black? <laughs> <laughs> and Lauren looked at him, and he says, Have you ever got a big head? <laughs> That's <laughs> way so, so like you know,, mm-hmm. there was that give and take, and like nobody made a big issue of it, and eh? they were just mm-hmm. two kids that were you know <laughs> telling it like it is,
1: <laughs> they were just big headed,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so then after that, like we uh, my brother went to work uh right out of school he didn't go he didn't go to high school. But I did. I went to, to Moose Jaw, but there again, it wasn't really my my will to go there. I wanted to go with my friends and just go to school in Melville, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Indian Affairs wouldn't allow that. We had to be in a situation where, like a residential school, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so <coughs> we had this uh, missionary out on the reserve, so he saw what was happening. So he said, "Well, he said, you know." He said the w- uh, there's this place in Mooshjaw, the Jaw Bible College he said they take kids and uh, just for mm-hmm. Reuben and board and mm-hmm. and uh, they take them down to school but that was like for the white kids huh eh? mm-hmm. so they made some kind of arrangements that's that's where we would go and that's where we stayed the first year mm-hmm. and then we had our own places like uh, the missionary made his own Mm place for the last my last three years but it went on for quite a long time and i there's over 50 of us that went there like we were always sort of under the thumb of indian affairs and Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) like even for me they um they put me in a commercial program yeah where some of the other ones are in you know academic programs but uh I guess, you know, in in the end, it served me right. Like (laughs) (laughs) I graduated in 62 with my business education. Mm -hmm. So that became my life then.
1: Yeah. Um, I I was gonna say like I think it's super important like when we are talking about language revitalization like it's so important to really touch on residential schools being Mm -hmm. you know the main factor of why one of our languages like your parents weren't confident enough to speak because it was taken on this journey of reclaiming um, language residential schools I mean even for you know myself going to university like we're paying I had to take Cree classes but I had to pay Mm -hmm. to get my language back that was taken from our ancestors at a residential school Mm -hmm. and so I think it's super important just to kind of touch on that topic too.
0: Very interesting Um, and we I think we live in a time now because I've it's almost a desire it's like a different climate like I desire and I dream to speak Cree like that is like a life goal of mine to be able to like kind of bring that language into my own home fire and so it's like it is a different climate where it's like we're not scared anymore we just don't mm-hmm. necessarily know where to look mm-hmm. or we don't we don't know how to like bridge the gaps that have necess- have been like left
2: i think it's going to take uh it'll take a while mm-hmm. but it can be done
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the only thing about like talking the the Cree language is that, you know, the the gap between my mom and dad's generation and the generation now is that we're so, you know, English is so ingrained in us Mm -hmm. and it sounds different. Mm -hmm. So that when you're talking Cree, the way it was supposed to be talked, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I have a hard time sometimes just listening to this uh, the new people talking (laughs) 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 because you know the enunciation are not the same Mm -hmm. and so i always have to kind of listen a little bit you know Mm
0: -hmm. uh, i wonder if you could like compare it to like if you have like a british person coming to canada and they're like speaking english or like somebody with a heavy accent from somewhere else in the world trying to speak english and you're like i don't i know what you're saying a bit, but I don't quite know what you're. S-
2: I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know who who told me this. It was uh, like it's these two old Indian ladies were in a cafe, and there was this big Swede guy come walking in, and uh, he sat down. We just came and asked him. He said, uh, "She said." Uh, what would you like? You know, when he said he wanted toast and yum. This one Indian lady says, "Wow, he can't even say yum." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's kind of you know, like where mm-hmm. all these <laughs> languages you know come from. The, mm-hmm. You know, like we're all mm-hmm. we all have a our own distinct way of speaking. Yeah, yeah. like so that is. Her interpretation, I guess, of <laughs> <laughs> jam. Yeah.
0: Do you, sp- for our listeners? I know we talked about it earlier, but do you speak Cree fluently?
2: Uh, no. But I find as I'm getting older, I th- I can think in Cree now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Whereas before, like you know, I mm-hmm. I never really took the time to uh, to try to learn, mm-hmm. and then. It was hard in the beginning to try and learn because Donald used to make fun of me (laughs) 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 because of my accent, Yeah, you know. And uh, so for a long time, you know, I just let it ride because when my brother and I used to learn the words that they spoke, well, we spoke with that Indian, what I call the Indian accent. Mm -hmm. And so... Now, like, it's easy for me to use that accent,
3: Yeah. whereas
2: uh when I, you know, when I first started to want to learn again, uh, I'd ask Donald how to say this word, and he'd say it, and then I'd say it, and it didn't <laughs> sound right, you know, and he'd laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But now, uh, like I say, as I'm getting older, I'm picking it up again, and mm-hmm. I, I can... You know, talk to myself a mm-hmm. little bit, and uh, a lot of times I'm just uh, really blowing Donald's socks off. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll start talking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
0: that's so special. So somewhere along the way, you met your husband. Do you want to
2: tell that story a little? I met him. Must have been sixty-one. I was going to a church camp uh, on Long Lake. Mm-hmm and i guess he didn't have anything better to do so he came with his mother <laughs> 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 so that's that's where we we actually met was at this bible camp mm-hmm. two years later we we got married
0: that's very young you must have been very young
2: I was 20 years old. Okay. 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) For us
1: now, that seems (laughs) very (laughs) young. And you guys are celebrating your guys' 59th anniversary this year in August. Yeah. (laughs) That is amazing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But my my mom and dad uh, could have celebrated their 75th. Mom was 95 and uh, she died in October of 2014 and died. Dad died December fourth that same year.
1: Oh wow! Wow,
2: he just couldn't. He couldn't uh,
1: live without her. Yeah, mm-hmm. they say that you know when couples have been together for so long that they die of literally a broken heart. Yeah, that is how they. That is like the cause.
2: So I'm wondering who's gonna die of a broken heart.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it, so. When you met Donald, um. What was he speaking Cree fluently, or was this at a time where he would speak English?
2: No, Cree was his first language. Okay. Yeah, he was. Uh, he uh, was raised mostly by his grandparents, mm-hmm. and uh, even at home, like uh, his mom and dad always spoke Cree, and then his grandparents, the ones that raised him, mm-hmm. they uh, they spoke nothing but Cree. Mm-hmm. Yeah used to have a, they used to have a good time trying to teach their grandmother english words yeah <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know how to say butter yeah and then when she finally learned how to say butter then margarine came along oh. <laughs> <laughs> so she used to call it butterine <laughs> butterine <laughs> that's a good word
1: <laughs> yeah. um yeah so, yeah, I guess, like, what it would be, like, what would you say to our listeners? Like, why would it be so important to be reclaiming this language, the Cree language?
2: For me, it's identity. Mm-hmm. It's who we are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether we're Cree or Soto or Blackfoot or whatever uh, we were. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. And our language is who Makes us mm-hmm. who we are. That's to me the biggest uh, mm-hmm. thing, and it's taking back, you know, when when you look at the the bigger world, it's taking back the responsibility of, uh, I suppose, the the things that really matter mm-hmm. to us. You know, we came from a society that didn't have money, and yet mm-hmm. we ate. We had clothes.
3: Mm-hmm. We did,
2: you know, our ceremonies and whatever. Like we didn't, uh, we didn't need money for that. Mm-hmm. In today's society, money is everything. Mm-hmm. Things are everything. And when you get back to that language and you're understanding exactly who you are, this world, this the earth, the trees that are there, they become more valuable. And <laughs> I guess that's why you see all these trees around my house. <laughs> 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 because that's just uh, the way we were. Mm-hmm. You know, like we always try to take care of, you know, what we call Mother Earth. And that's a new, like fairly new uh, word, you mm-hmm. know. I remember, like, you know, when my mom and dad used to chop wood, you know, for <coughs> for a living, like, they, uh, they would sell some wood, uh, but they needed a permit. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of dad's permits, you know that? Do you? Oh, wow. Yeah, I have a copy of his permit.
1: That'd be really cool to, like, see. Yeah. It's
2: like, You know, you saw all my stuff. Mm -hmm. eh? Mm -hmm. So where it is, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's in one of those files. (laughs) (laughs) I guess when I say things were tough, you know, they were made to be tough Mm -hmm. on the Indian people. The dignity of the Indian people was just, you know, just shredded. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, when you talk about the Cree language coming back it will bring dignity back. You know, like so many times, the way things are now, it, it wouldn't be that way if we had our own culture and our language back. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when my grandfather used to talk to us, he used to always tell us, you know, as you're growing up, you're going to see that you're going to need to understand who you are, and you act that way. You You think that you know you you don't have to think about other than being a kid right now but when you grow up he said you're gonna have to work you're gonna have to be honest you're gonna have to be caring but these are all in in Cree words huh? mm-hmm. so from there like you know he he just like I said before he taught us you know life lessons hmm but, in him, you could see the dignity mm-hmm. he was so happy to be in his skin, mm-hmm. you know, like he 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 lacked nothing because he knew that you know the world was gonna the, the earth was going to feed him, mm-hmm. and everything that you know he did was done in love mm-hmm. you know, like so many times nowadays. Things aren't done in love.
0: So while you were, like, after maybe you met Donald and you came to this this idea that for this, this, like, sense of identity that you needed to learn the Cree language, like, why do you think that happened when it
2: happened? I guess because I wanted something better for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wanted them to learn how to speak Cree and to be comfortable with who they were, you know who they are. and because we, uh, we always lived a pretty sheltered life here you know. on, on this reserve. Uh, they are who they are, you know and I mm-hmm. think they're pretty comfortable. But the kids now, my young great grandkids mm-hmm. they are really getting into the language. You know, mm-hmm. my one of my grand, great grandsons came over one day and he says, well, they all call me Mama. Sometimes they'll call me Kokum, but mostly it's, <laughs> hey, Mama, uh, I'm learning Korean at school. Oh, that's good. And he said, uh, forget how he said it. But anyway, he started talking and then I started talking back to him. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good conversation. Oh, But it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, uh just dancing or mm-hmm. you know, it was it was really a meaningful conversation that we carried on and mm-hmm. he says, well, I'm gonna come back again he says, you know, mm-hmm. and we'll talk some more and I said, Okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I have a book, I said, that, you know, has the words in it. I said, but I said, I can teach you how to Really, say the words, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, with the English accent. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Yeah." He said that would be really good. He said, you know, so uh, uh, it's so been so cold, you know, mm-hmm. for him to come over. So I haven't seen him for a little while. But every time I do see him, you know, he's always dancing. Oh, t- yeah, <laughs> you know. You know. Uh uh-huh, yeah.
1: I think it's like you know this generation that that you know our parents and our grandparents had suffered so much and you know, through the intergenerations now, like everyone's starting to really heal through their traumas. and,
0: But like an understanding like an under, yeah, of like having like an urgency to come back to who we are as Cree people and like what that means. Mm-hmm. And I think especially it's like super special that your family lives out here on the land and on the reserve still. But a lot of our kin live in like urban centers. And I, so I think that journey looks like will look a little bit different for a while mm-hmm. because I think... It's it is like a reality that like one of the largest growing populations in Canada is um, Indigenous people in urban centers, and so I I'm interested about what you think that means for the language moving forward. And it's like I read or I hear things about how the language is tied to the land and into the culture, and those things can't be separated. And so, what does that mean for people li- like learning
2: through? Uh, I think one of the biggest things we have to learn. Love,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, um, <coughs> a lot of our our parents, our grandparents, and those great grandparents that went to school, they for they got the love beaten out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, and you know, like my relations. Uh, mm-hmm. they were that was all gone because. Mm-hmm. They were taught; uh, they couldn't even see their own brothers or sisters mm-hmm. at school, let alone have their parents come to the school to visit them. Mm-hmm. So they uh, that wahduh go in that, you know, that family love mm-hmm. disappeared, and in my generation, like my mother, she didn't know how to show us that she loved us. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand. You know, how my white friend over there, you know, her mother could just come and give her a hug, you know, and just, mm-hmm. you know, how's your day and, you mm-hmm. know, just just be so loving, mm-hmm. you know, whereas my mother, she wasn't like that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was no fault of hers. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I never blame her, mm-hmm. but it is just the way residential school took all of that away and like especially like i said with her you know she could have been abused mm-hmm. or, you know because of the things that she said when she was older but that i'm just kind of losing my train of thought that isn't what i was going <laughs> to was going to say <laughs> but like so when people didn't know how to love one another love their children that's when the indian Identity was lost. Mm-hmm. you know, they didn't know how to love mm-hmm. their children, so families were broken. Mm-hmm. you know they, they're scattered all over the place. It's not their fault.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: you know, but to me, the language to me the language is dignity. Mm-hmm. and I keep saying, you know when when we begin to love ourselves and know who we are, in this world, we'll get that love back. Mm-hmm. The language will teach us what we need to know to be able to love our children, our parents, our brothers and sisters, because that's, to me, when I look out at the world, that's what's missing. Mm-hmm. Mom and Dad taught us kids, there are six of us, to stick together, to love one another. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, they used to do with us when we were, we were, gosh, we were all married and I think I had grandchildren already. They sensed that there was something, you know, not quite bringing the whole family together. So they called us all together, said they were going to have a big picnic. and They wanted all of us there with all of our kids Grandkids. Well, if we had all of our kids, and naturally our grandkids <laughs> are going to be there. <laughs> so then they they put us all, told us all to stand in a circle. So we stood in the circle, and Mom says, "Now she said, you know, I feel sometimes she said that our family is growing apart. This one is not coming to this one's birthday party, or that one is not going over there to help out when they need help." She said so. Right now, she said, I want each one of you to look around this circle. And if there's someone in this circle, in the family, that you want to say something to, that you're missing from that person, you go talk to that person. There was one nephew that I always, you know, he would we would see him. He wouldn't even talk to me, he wouldn't even hardly look at me. And I walked up to him and I said, Ian, what have I done to you? I said, that you never talk to me. You don't even look at me. And I said, why? He looks at me and he says, Auntie, he says, I'm sorry. He said, you know, I respect you, but I never knew how to talk to you. And I said, why? I said, am I, am I hard to talk to? And You know, why can't you talk to me? He said, I don't know. He said, you know, today he's one of my best friends. Mm. yeah he's the one that paints all the paintings (laughs) some of the painting he changed the windows (laughs) 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 Frida
0: was showing us paintings downstairs
1: (laughs) a different type of painting (laughs) well thank you so much for sharing that you know moment and being vulnerable and I think it really goes to show like healing within like communication right like really trying to understand the other people and really making sure those kinships like those relationships are strong
0: i think like love doesn't always feel like what maybe mainstream society or like television like portrays (laughs) yeah (laughs) portrays love to be it's like a lot of the times it like takes form of like hard conversations and that like those are like very hard to do. That's like a lot of work you have to put in, but that's like a form of love. It's not, it doesn't always look like hugs and...
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, it's just uh, I always call it like sort of a, if you treat somebody with dignity, mm-hmm. with integrity, then they respond to that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's usually in a good way. You know, it's, uh, I don't know, I've never got a uh, a bad reaction.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. That's very beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: I think um,
0: we were talking earlier about, like, what it looks like in being able to bring our languages home, even if that is in, like, an urban center, whether it's on the reserve or whatever that looks like to us. It is, like, it is, like, a form of love. And right now I'm in the, like, I'm a second language learner and, um Alicia is as well and we're in the processes of like trying to learn what we can learn as we can access it and stuff like that and I have like I was thinking about this the other day of like what it means to me and I get like I'm always I've been able to talk to an elder at the place I work at and I feel very lucky to be able to to be in communications with that cuz that's something I've never had before is growing up in the city it's I'd, I've just had my friends around me and that's kind of like all I've known, I haven't had this, like, idea of kinship or love to my, to a larger sense of community, because I, I am urban, and so I was talking to this elder, and I was saying these words in which I've learned in, let's say, textbook Cree, (laughs) and (laughs) they don't translate the same, like, I, I understand, like, to, to tap a wind to be chair, but he understood it to be, like, the place where you the place the thing that you ride or something in a direct translation and so in his in his head he was like that's a saddle like that's it's not a chair that's that's silly to say that yeah. <laughs> I was like and I'm, I'm finding that more and more and more as I'm learning and so I I asked you this question earlier and I'm excited to to kind of conversate around it but it's like what does this idea of being lost in translation this concept mean for the language moving forward if if a lot of the these younger generations are coming at Cree from an English an English basis how do we how do we understand Cree and all of its complexities and
2: you uh, you understand each other
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know so <coughs> the things that uh in the old let's call it the old Indian okay okay We don't understand, like I don't understand, or I I have to think about what it is you're saying. You're saying the words, but you're saying it in English. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really, it's not really coming through. But when you speak to your generation, Mm -hmm. and they've learned to speak that way, it isn't going to make a difference. You're still going to have, still going to be able to talk your Cree. Mm-hmm. It may sound like pigeon cree to us, <laughs> you know, but when you sp- speak to someone else mm-hmm. uh, in your class, you're gonna understand each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't think I don't think we should get too wrapped up in, you know, the two different ways of saying a word, mm-hmm. because once you guys get going, you're gonna be able to understand one another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're gonna know and as long as you know the root of that word and mm-hmm. what it means it's not going to make any difference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's still you're still going to know that you're speaking what cree you know and how you know it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to me it's not a big deal
3: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. this
0: is very interesting cuz it's getting me to think about like how the language is tied to the land as an it, it like makes sense because if we like if Cree was rooted in a time where we were we were so in tune with uh, Mother Nature, which is a new term, then the language refl- would reflect that. And now that it's we're, we're not necessarily living in a line with what that is, then the language is going to going to evolve and maybe reflect something else. But I hope that we don't lose these values, these like underlying values along the way.
2: I think the underlying values are the things that, that really need to be taught. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, love, honor, truthfulness, all of these things. Mm-hmm. That's the language. And all of the, all of the language revolves around those things. It's it's loving your neighbors, yourself. It's loving the land and taking care of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being a good human being.
3: Mm-hmm, hmm
2: not not uh <coughs> not taking and not giving mm-hmm. you know uh you take stuff you know like i i i've never lived in an urban setting mm-hmm. you know so i don't really understand what it's like yeah to live in a city mm-hmm. i don't think i would last very long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I think I I think of um I th- I think for a lot of language learners it's important to to connect learning your language with kinship ties and I know that's not something that's always super accessible so that's why I'm very grateful that we're able to like be able to share this with listeners because this is a form of that all of the people that we know might not necessarily have direct <laughs> kinship ties to you but it's a form of values and knowledge that, that you can't take out of a textbook or you can't take out of like learning Cree online. And so I think this is like super special because as I was talking to um, this elder, I asked him, um, Alicia has a kid and um, his name is Hunter and that's my nephew. And so I was asking, what would he call me? And he said, um, Nicoasis, which I, I I understood mom to be nicoe and then ipsis is little. And so he translated it, it's like uh, the direct translation is little mom. And so within being able to conversate with a fluent speaker and someone who holds the Cree values, I I got to understanding that like that is I'm more than just Hunter's auntie. I'm like his little mom. And that comes with such a, a more deeper responsibility than just saying like, oh, that's my auntie. And so I think that's where a lot of the values lie is like directly in those teachings. And it's not just being able to translate a word. It's like in all of that and I think that's like Mm -hmm. it's like beautiful and kind of kind of scary in a sense that like it's so much to take on from a a brain that hasn't necessarily grown up in it and now I feel like there's like it feels like such an important thing to
2: know it feels like coming home
1: Mm -hmm. (coughs) (laughs) and And tears in my eyes it's emotional because not having access to like these conversations and and these things that we would have learned I think growing up, if we had the opportunity mm-hmm. to grow up within our home and within our language, a lot of the cultural things, um, so it's just really nice to be at home and to be relearning.
2: I think it's like a beautiful <laughs> <Well> thing. <laughs> that's that's one of the things, though, that uh, when I talk about like the dignity that we need to have, mm is we all, like, when I go back to Daystar Mm -hmm. and I see my cousins, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: they're they're my family. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Their children are my family. In the broader sense, the old people, everybody was their family. Mm -hmm. You know, if if some person died, there was always somebody there to take that child as their own. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas now... Those things kind of don't happen anymore. I think it's because those things were taken away from a lot of people. And the language has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Because when you understand, like you were talking about you being the little mom, mm-hmm. well, that's the way we grew up. Mm-hmm. My sister lived over there, but her kids were my kids, and my kids were her kids. hmm you know, their my sister's name was, Stella Jordan used to call her Mummy Stell. I didn't mind because that's who she was. Mm-hmm. She was his. She was his mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because my sister was married to Donald's brother, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so those kids were like mine, and mm-hmm. you know, hers were mine, and mine were hers. You know, but even with my other sister, you know, like. Her kids are my kids. If anything happens, like any of her kids, for example, her granddaughter, her baby was very sick in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So she, my sister phoned and she said that, uh, you know, we need, we need prayer for the baby. So I went and I told Dawn, I said, you know, I said, "Uh, Vera just phoned and she wants us to, to pray for the baby, that the baby's, you know going to be okay Mm -hmm. that baby became ours we felt we needed to be there for him Mm -hmm. you know because and then because my sister asked us so we said a prayer for him Mm -hmm. the doctors told her that he was going to be in the hospital for six to no three to six months Mm -hmm. he was home in seven days 17 days (laughs) He was a newborn, eh? and he had to be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. 17 days, and he was home. Mm -hmm. So, like, these kinds of things were happy, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, the baby's good. And so many times I see things on Facebook, you know, somebody's asking for prayer, somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, I I don't have to know them. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. They're of this world, they're of humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And uh it doesn't matter whether they're white, red, black, <laughs> you know. Yeah. This is humanity. This is this is what we were put here for. Mm-hmm. You know, to get along. And you know how hard it is nowadays. <laughs> uh? yeah. I mean you just have to go to a certain store in Regina and you're not welcome. <laughs> 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 so all of these things, like, you know, those are real. Mm-hmm. Those are real things, you know, that, uh, and they always say, like, Belcaris is one of the <coughs> most racist places, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. around.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I don't think they're only racist towards the Indian people. They're racist to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the Germans don't get along with these ones and mm-hmm. the the British don't get along with the Ukrainians and, you know, like mm-hmm. in one little town, yeah. you know, and then you talk about what's going on in the world and you wonder, you know, why Why do these things have to happen? Mm-hmm. And so I think like when you're talking about, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll be able to be better, mm-hmm. anything is going to be better than what's happening right now. Mm-hmm you know, and we need to find our place because uh, we've been here all these hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. They tried to get rid of us. But we're still here. Mm-hmm. So we need to get stronger. Mm-hmm. We need to come back to that place where we can talk to each other and and uh, encourage one another, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So... I see that you're so on the right track. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, thank you so much for sharing. It's been, um, it's just been a really beautiful day and my spirit is really happy.
0: Mm-hmm. It It is nice. Cause I feel like these are things I've, I've spent time praying for, you know, it's like, I do feel lost, like growing up in the city and like being like, this is somebody I am like, I know, I know I'm indigenous. Like I know my dad is and I know all of these things, but like, I don't know what that means. Like I don't as an as a person growing up in a modern day society, it's like I don't I didn't know what that meant and so like I spent time being like this is what this is what I w- I want in my life at some point and so this is really special.
2: You know what that means,
0: huh? Uh-huh. No, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. don't mean to make you cry <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. there's love in tears mm-hmm. yeah you know they're good tears they're yeah. good tears mm-hmm. yeah
0: i think like one of my idols is um cindy blackstock and i think it's because yeah. you were talking about like you go to belcaris and there's like in a sense a lot of hate like a lot of disparity and a lot of divide and she's like you hear her talk and she says like, I, you're never going to see me on the fields of parliament with a sign. She's like, I'm not picketing. She's like, I think the answer to this is through love. And that's exactly what this like reminds me of. It's like, if you go to Belcaris and you, you feel racism or you feel these things, it's it's not meant to like fight fire with fire because that's, that's not pushing us forward. Mm-hmm. The thing that's going to push us forward is I think ultimately love.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because once we start loving one another, and like I say, our Indian people have a long, long way to go, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible because, uh, like Alicia with you now, with helping our poor people in Regina, <laughs> I just think that, <laughs> it's going to sound funny, but mm-hmm. who else could do you know, who needed to do it? that when you did it you know maybe starting out with nothing mm-hmm. but everything starts with nothing yeah. and if we if we put our minds to it yeah. we can make something out of nothing mm-hmm. <coughs> and just before we close here you know my dad he always said if you want something bad enough you build towards it a good example was there's a, a young fellow came to him and he, he says mushroom he said, you've always had cattle. You've always had horses. How did you do that? How did you get started? Well, my dad told him, it started with me chopping logs for a farmer. He paid me with seven calves. I knew I wanted animals, he said. Mm-hmm. I knew that he was going to pay me with these animals. Mm-hmm. So I chopped the log. But while I was doing that, I made myself a corral. He said, I didn't have nothing to put in there, he said, but I built a corral. I got the calves. And he said, and I never looked back. He said, I've always had animals. So he said, if you want animals, go build yourself a corral. So this young guy did. Mm -hmm. He went and built himself a nice corral. Well, he had a corral, so he has to work to buy a horse. He had nice horses really nice horses <laughs> <laughs> be just because he built this corral, mm-hmm. and so that's always been sort of the way he brought us up eh? mm-hmm. if you want something you got to go get it mm-hmm. you know you can't you can't sit around and, and wish yeah i wish no he said mm-hmm. you have to put work into it and so you've put the work in mm-hmm. you've done the work and now you know, you can reap the rewards, but the other part of that is you're sharing those rewards yes. <laughs> with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a a one woman show. Mm-mm. It's people working together, mm-hmm. and that's where the circle grows. Mm-hmm. The stone in the river, yeah. Get <laughs> know, the other ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way it goes.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think, like. You know, Lexi and I, when we set out on this journey to build a non-profit, we wanted to just make sure that other Indigenous kin who didn't grow up in their culture were able to be, like, we're kind of structuring it in the sense of, like, what we needed when we were young, that's what we're building now. And we're making sure that other people don't have to go on such a hard journey to figure out who we are and where we come from. Family trees.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think every, every family should do a family tree, mm-hmm. you know, because... Um, like i say everybody's losing track of one another right mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe one of these days we'll have to have another circle and mm-hmm. <laughs> straighten everybody out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would love <laughs> hundreds of people. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll bring everyone from the city. <laughs> um, well, thank you so, so, so much, Frida. Mm-hmm. Like we, we truly appreciate um, you being able to just spend your day with us today and to share the knowledge and the wisdom that you carry. Um, we'll definitely be sharing this for as long as we can.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I have just enjoyed it mm-hmm. so much.
0: Me as well, Nista. Um, before we close out, I want to do something a little fun, where I try to speak to you just to have a little conversation or to say what I did today, and to not have you necessarily review it, but have you um, respond, yeah, like understand or give me little points on where I can where I
2: can improve
0: <laughs> in my
2: Cree, Cree English. okay but it's like i told you you know your cree english is going to be what you know how to say okay i'm also receptive to criticism
0: very open to it
2: i would not ever criticize anyone okay yeah
0: good uh a, a good word for criticism there's good criticism
1: constructive
2: uh, constructive
1: criticism
2: yeah. uh, I'm not a criticizer
1: okay
0: let's it okay niggi when I scan a qua eh di menequac they did you understand what i said <laughs> <laughs>
2: I would have to see what you wrote. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, it
0: is interesting because if I like have a conversation with like my partner, I translate, like he's going to understand what I am saying because we're coming from the same point. Uh. Mm -hmm. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said this morning I woke up and drank
2: coffee. Okay yeah mm-hmm. ah it's
0: all om- i i understand the root words which is exactly what you said earlier
2: i w- i woke up Mhm. and i had a drink of coffee
0: what do you use for
2: coffee spin spinn yeah well
0: i I learned that it was Pigotewapoi and then it translates to black ash water.
2: Oh, okay. Or something along those lines. D- I don't know what kasvishikan means, but that, mm. that's the Coffee? The coffee. Mm. Oh, yeah. interesting. Nithti is tea. Mm-hmm. Tea? Nith-ti.
1: Nithti. Nithti.
2: Yeah. I, I noticed that um, a lot of the Cree words, your tongue goes up to your teeth. Mm. You know, like the way I say them, mm-hmm. my tongue goes up yes. to my teeth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah when I was speaking to the elder he said that my tongue should hit the back of my teeth when I pronounce things yep (laughs) (laughs) we're working on it (laughs)
1: um well thank you everyone for joining in and listening to this episode uh we hope that you thoroughly enjoyed what we had um and you guys are taking some of the things that we had in this conversation
0: and being able to reflect on it it's been super Mm -hmm. meaningful to me and and I think um, this conversation allows me to, I, I can say that I want to learn Korean. I want to be able to pass on this knowledge to my to my children and to Hunter and to the next generations. But it's, I won't be able to find that value without having conversations like this. It's like one thing to say it and one thing to to be able to connect with it.
2: Mm-hmm. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
1: Moistas. Yeah, moistas. Moistas. And I guess if no one knows what "moistas" means, it means see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, guys.